Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, I talk with friend and fellow podcaster Monica Packer, host of the About Progress podcast, on her battle with perfectionism, something that I believe so many of us struggle with, whether consciously or subconsciously, perfectionism can often be the underlying cause to anxiety, depression, and an overall lack of satisfaction in your relationships, whether it's with your spouse, your kids, and so much more. So join Monica and I today as she not only shares her story, but also shares some tools that will help you even before you finish this episode. That and so much more coming up on this episode of The Virtual Couch. Hey, everybody, this is a very quick advertisement, and I know I'm a podcast listener. You can hit the little fast forward button probably on your podcast player, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, but bear with me. I'll try to make this quick. As a therapist myself, I obviously recommend that everybody give therapy a try because when people ask me, do I need therapy? I don't even have to talk to you. The answer is yes, I need therapy. Everyone could use a sounding board. Everybody could use uh, an objective third party. Everybody could kind of dig deep a little bit and find out what are things that they've been holding back on? What are the things that they feel like they should be able to get over or shouldn't be worrying about? Shouldn't, shouldn't, nobody wants to be should on. But we're all hanging on to things that uh, would be helpful to process. And there's even things that we thought we'd achieve by now or things that we really want to achieve so that we won't have these regrets in life. And so if there are people listening right now that might be noticing that their anxiety or their depression might be getting a tiny bit worse, especially with what's going on in the world right now, let's get to it. Let's not leave that untreated. You owe it to yourself, to those around you, your spouse, your kids, you. I mean, you're the, you owe it to you at the very least to give therapy a try. So if you're nervous about finding the right fit, if you're worried about bumping into somebody in the therapy waiting room, if you have any worries about therapy, might I recommend that you go immediately to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. Again, that's betterhelp.com forward slash virtual couch, all one word. And just take a look at the world of online therapy. Go check out what over half a million, approaching a million people have already done before you and sign up now by going to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch and get the help that you need, the help that you maybe didn't even know that you need. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which might not be available in many areas. And especially right now with shelter in place, with social distancing, betterhelp.com is designed to do video therapy, telephone therapy. They even have uh, appointments that you can text. So the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and message your therapist and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule these weekly video phone sessions, whatever it is. So you won't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Although every time I do this ad, I do want to say that my waiting room is quite lovely. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Oftentimes you can start communicating in under 24 hours and the betterhelp.com assessment, the intake alone is brilliant. And they also work with with all kinds of things. Acceptance and commitment therapy, one of my favorite techniques. Emotionally focused therapy. They work with anxiety, with OCD, with depression. So do yourself a favor. Go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. You'll receive 10% off your first month's services. And, and I can't lie, obviously, if you're going to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, and this is the virtual couch podcast, it's going to help me out a little bit too. So go check it out. You'll receive 10% off your first month's services. What are you waiting for? Just go check it out. Betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. Try it today.
episode 206 of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, resident father of four, ultra marathon runner, and co-author of the best-selling book, He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An Expert and a Former Addict to Answer Your Questions, in which I play the role of the expert and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anybody that you know is struggling to put pornography behind you once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a strength-based, hold the shame, become the person you always knew you could be way, then please head over to pathbackrecovery.com and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to get rid of pornography once and for all. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And I would love if you took my free parenting course, Parenting Positively, even in the not-so-positive of times. You can find it at tonyoverbay.com slash courses. And I've also uh, talked on a couple of podcasts recently about creating a little bit of awareness to folks who might be experiencing any type of a faith journey, a faith crisis. To drop me a line at contact at tonyoverbay.com, I have some information coming soon that I would love to share. And use that email address as well, contact at tonyoverbay.com, and uh, feel free to send any questions. I'm uh, looking forward to putting together a question and answer episode in the not-too-distant future. Um, But the stages of faith, the stages of change, stages of life, that is what I talked about in my last episode, 205, and that is a topic that I am excited and passionate about. So I went big on that episode, so if you missed it, then I would uh, highly recommend going back and giving that one a listen. That's episode 205. And uh, speaking of going big, um, my guest today is big in the world of podcasting. Her name is Monica Packer, and she is the host of the incredibly helpful, hopeful, and real podcast called About Progress. And I was actually on Monica's podcast, I, I had to look this up, back in January of 2019, and I, I, I loved being on her podcast. She's a wonderful interviewer, um, and as a matter of fact, she ran the episode as an encore later that year in December of 2019, which I was absolutely flattered by, and I have actually recommended that episode that uh, that we recorded. It actually might, I think it's actually my therapist paperwork that I send out to new clients, because we covered some some of my just things that I love to talk about and things that I think really can help people in therapy. Um, we talked about my emotional baseline theory, as well as uh, my love of acceptance and commitment therapy, which I believe will absolutely change one's life for the better if you embrace the principles of acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, but today, we talk about Monica's continual work with in, around, about her perfectionism. And I love this concept because I think a lot of times the things that drive us, drive anxiety within us is this, this desire or this need or this even subconscious um, just movement toward feeling like we need to be perfect. So perfectionism. And so I think a lot of times when people feel like, why do I have so much anxiety or why do I feel depressed? That a lot of times there's an underlying um, piece of this perfectionism that is that is causing some of this anxiety, some of this depression. So Monica does an incredible job talking about this today. And that's what I just uh, I love about her. She's so real. Um, she's honest. She's not afraid to be incredibly vulnerable. And while I know for a fact that it can be extremely difficult to put yourself out there, because I'm sure Monica has run into folks who maybe haven't been as kind as she would like, or would possibly openly criticize your choices. Um, but, you know, and I, I really believe this, when you get real with yourself, 
you begin to change your life. And when you really start to get real with others, then you can truly help drive and inspire this change in others. So I don't want to spoil anything or share much more other than to say that I highly recommend you give Monica's podcast about progress a listen. And uh, feel free to start with her episode 225, which was uh, her encore presentation with yours truly, which she titled How to Stop Hating Yourself. All right. Now on to my interview with About Progress's Monica Packer. busy. No, everyone's busy, but you're not touting it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you don't have a sign, like I'm busy, but you're doing so much good work. No, it's great. So I, well, so, okay. Let's start off by what is, how are you quarantining? What is that like for you? Yeah, we're, we're doing pretty well. We live in a pretty small home comparatively Mm -hmm. to probably most America. I mean, we live in a 1200 square foot house and have four little kids. So, you know, what's been interesting, Tony is my kids are doing far better than I expected. And it's almost made like we're exhausted by the end of the day, you know, in different ways, but my kids are happier in some unexpected ways so that it's almost been like a really big, in a weird way. So, and I love that you're starting there because I feel like that's what I'm seeing people bring into my office. A lot of moms in particular that feel like they are allowed to maybe slow things down a bit. There aren't as many expectations, but then it feels odd to say I'm flourishing under quarantine, but, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. But, we're definitely, I mean, we had a breaking moment for sure this week. I feel like all of us did. Yeah. yeah Cause we're six weeks in to quarantining. Yeah. I, I think we're starting our seventh week. Wow. So I think it did, you know, everything did hit the, this week one day for sure. Yeah. Um, but then we got back in the swing of things. So overall, yeah, we're handling it. Okay. I yeah. would say. No, that's good. That is. And then, uh, do you care to talk about the breaking point? What does that look like in the oh, yeah. hacker home? What does that look like? Well, that looked like me not doing anything I was supposed to do that day, you know, like not getting out on a walk with all the kids, not doing any homeschooling, just feeling very overwhelmed and just caught up in the emotions rather like of overwhelm. Um, but you know, I, I think because I just felt it all, then we were able to get back into the swing of things the next day, you know, okay, let's start over. Well, I love what you're saying too. I feel like the, a lot of the moms I'm talking to in particular right now, I, I always want to say, man, it's okay to have those days and those feelings and totally. lean into them. But when then you have people that are going nowhere around you that do have those expectations, I don't, we don't have a precedent for what we've done in previous pandemics, right? So I, I think Definitely you just get not. as much as you can. That's about it. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, is I've heard from homeschooling moms, moms who have homeschooled for years and like, this isn't even homeschooling. Like this exactly. is hard for all of us. And I mean, that is so nice to know. Yeah. We're all in this together, you know? Yeah. I cannot speak for homeschooling moms, of course, but I have a, a couple of wonderful moms that have shared with me that the first week when everybody's on uh, social media saying, this is amazing. We're doing all these things every day and I love homeschool. And they're saying, okay, it, it, it's not that now easy. Now it's hard. Right? Exactly. Right. And yeah. then by week two or three, when then the person is saying, okay, give them back to school, take them, you know, that then almost there's this validation from the, the homeschool mom. And now I feel like what you're saying as well, I'm hearing the Hey, this is just odd. Like it's odd for everybody. It really is. Yes. Yeah, it really is. We're taking it day by day over here. That's yeah. for sure. So you do. I had uh, in this podcast I was telling you about, I think before we recorded with um I think I had my nephew, a couple of daughters, my son-in-law, my wife, and I'm airing tomorrow. So by the time we hear this one, it will already be out there. But 
Um, I thought that was the most fascinating part was no one, no one, that's an all or nothing statement. We're going to talk about those today. Um, but, but But I do feel like very few people are really thinking, hey, this online school forever, it looks awesome because you know, that same computer they use to watch uh, dog fail videos and play Fortnite is also now telling them that they need to be paying attention and, and they don't have yeah. to get up and shower and, and drive somewhere. The routines are kind of gone, which I think plays mm-hmm. more of a role than we thought. Oh, definitely. And actually, to be honest, I think that's why we've done fairly well up to this point. And again, I'm not saying we're, you know, thriving every day. Right. We have those days, but um, routines have been so central to my kids. Yeah. Um. So we've been really doing that. And also, um, to be honest with you, I'm a former teacher. So I am looking at this from the both lens. Like I, I know teachers are working so hard, but I'm doing what's best for my kids right now. Yeah. And that means, um, I, I pick and choose what they send home Uh and I let the teachers know and they, they know well what we're doing, but we're not doing a lot of the busy stuff they're getting home. We're working on what they need to and Uh choosing how we're going to spend our time, um, to stick to our own routines that are helping them be okay. No, I love it because a routine, the brain likes routine. I mean, we'll probably end up talking yeah. about it today too, right? Hey, uh, I, I felt like this is a perfect segue to jump into perfectionism, but I want to, can I just give a little bit of praise and ask a question first though? Oh, sure. So the, your, <laughs> yeah. your podcast program, the podcast course that you're doing with Rachel, yeah. um, I, I've been throwing people your way because I'm guessing you get the same thing. I now feel like weekly I get people saying, Hey, uh, just super quick. Can you just tell me everything you know about podcasting and how to create a <laughs> podcast course? Do you get that often? Yeah. And that's actually why we started our course because <laughs> it became a part-time job for me to answer questions. Yeah. And it was just too much. It's, it's not something you can do like in 15 minutes, you know? You can't because I mean, it's like years and planning and there's failures and successes. And I was doing the same thing. I was creating a Google doc yeah. and I still, I'm doing a little bit of, I was actually going to put this on my website. I like your course far better, but I've been doing a little bit of one-on-one podcast consulting is what I say. And yes. but even then you find out that within a, an hour long session or appointment, you just can't cover everything. So absolutely. So, and that's how I did it too for about like two years. I did one on one. And then even then it was like exactly what you said, like you can't cover it all. Yeah. So where do people find people that want to do podcasts that want to email you and me both and we want your emails sure. and we love you to death? And but where what's easier? We where do they go? It. Where do they find you if they want to you and well, Rachel? Where do um, they find that course? Yeah. So you're speaking to Rachel Nielsen of three and 30 takeaways for moms podcast. We're business partners for podcast. You it's short for podcast university. So they can go to podcast. You.co. Okay. Um, our doors are closed right now for courses, um, enrollment, but they can just email us and we'll, we'll let you in. Just, we'll just communicate with you. Um, or they can sign up for our free w- weekly emails that are okay. very good. Like we give amazing tips every week on podcasting that okay. I think is I mean, people should be paying for it. It's really great. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm glad you're doing that though. Cause the podcast is amazing and we love, we love doing, you and I both love doing podcasts. Yeah. Everybody it's in the awesome. world has podcasts, but they are very frustrating when people don't really know how to navigate. So I'm grateful. That's hard. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, our, our topic today, Monica, this is going to be fun, right? Perfection. I, I always like, I love talking about this. Okay. So tell me why. Like, uh, cause you know, a lot of people hear this topic and they, they, there's a lot of fear around this. And I talk about this often. I would say at least daily with somebody in my office really? about perfectionism. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about where you kind of start with this or why do you enjoy talking about it? What's your experience been with perfectionism? Well, I enjoy talking about it first just because I think so many people don't even see themselves as perfectionists and it's really a revelatory thing for them to discover about themselves that so much of what is holding them back is in fact perfectionism yeah. and not laziness like they thought it was or lack of being a go 
getter or not having enough self-discipline, like they themselves for they've given themselves too much credit in the most negative ways, right? Because they're not realizing that really is at play here is perfectionism. Um, so that's why I love talking. It's really helping people um, interrupt some bad cycles in their life and bad routines and bad ways of thinking about themselves that are not helping their growth. And I've seen women really take charge of their personal development in ways that have changed their entire lives because they are now believing in the process, which is getting messy, making mistakes, being persistent and flexible, but it involves pushing against that perfectionism in ways that are, are challenging, but so worth it. So worth it. And I feel like, tell me if you agree, but I do feel like a lot of times if I'm looking or working with somebody that is struggling with anything from uh, depression or anxiety, eating disorders, a lot of these coping mechanisms that sometimes these come as a way to try to deal with the, the, the feelings around perfectionism or those feelings around the I'm not enough story. Do you mm-hmm. find that's the case? Totally. I think the route to, I say perfectionism is a spectrum. So some people are the stereotypical kind, the overachieving perfectionist. But I think most people are on a spectrum and it usually actually leans to the other side where they're underachieving, Mm. where they, where they are in a holding pattern, thanks to perfectionism. But either wherever you are on the spectrum, the root is the same. You are measuring your worth off of outcomes. Yeah. So you're propping up like what's on the exterior, both in appearance and in successes and achievements as standing in for your worth. And when you do that, you are doomed to fail and you are doomed to not have a whole, uh, you know, sense of therapists talk about because it's on the exterior and you're just setting yourself up to never feel like you've arrived. Um, and I've been all of like that spectrum I talked about. Yeah. I've, I've been both sides of that spectrum and everywhere between. And my life really did change five years ago when I, when I finally decided to lean into the mediocre Okay. And to, yeah, take my worth off of the outcome and move it more to the internal. And not only am, do I feel better about myself and I'm more myself, but I've actually grown exponentially. Yeah. And, and taking, you know, perfectionism more off the table. I still deal with that all the time. You know, it's yeah. still a part of me, but. Well, and that's why yeah. I, I, and I know I want to, one of my goals today is I want to be able to, I like what you just said there of when, when there's the acceptance and you and I had a, on one of your courses. I, I love, love how you teach this. This is talking about that acceptance and commitment therapy, part of the acceptance. I feel like once we have that acceptance, that that is when we actually truly start to move forward. And that is a scary, um, that is talk about a faith, a uh, faith principle there of not knowing it. Cause if we let go of that, but I just need to make the million dollars. I just need to be the perfect mom. Exactly. I just need to do the whatever. When we yeah. can let go of that, I'm not saying that then all of a sudden we have the million dollars and we are the perfect mom. No, but, but we don't realize how it's holding us back. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I want to hear your, so you, I want to hear more of your story, like your experience, like tell us some stories, sure. but this is what I love about your podcast as well. So, so I don't know what comes to mind when you think about that five years ago, whether it was a, was it a breaking point or was it a, what was your you know mm. process like in that embracing or accepting? I don't know. Talk to us. Definitely. Okay. Well, I feel like I have to scoot back a little bit okay. uh, further than that because when I was 20 is when that, like my whole life up to that, I was that stereotypical perfectionist, like okay. the overachiever, all the extracurricular, all the best grades, all the leadership positions, like everything you can think of. And it all came tumbling down for me in college, um, you know, with the eating disorders, like all those mental, um, struggles you described, like depression, anxiety, eating disorders, it was all there. Um, 
And I had to come face to face with that. That was not the way I could live my life anymore. And so, you know, that was, you know, 13, almost 14 years ago. And so can I ask you, Monica, so I like yeah. understand up to that point, do you feel like you were achieving what would be viewed as success as, as getting, you know, leadership positions or good grades or uh, popularity, or did you have a lot of those things? I, I did, but I honestly think it was a facade. Okay. It was something I was so pressured to uphold. And like I said, it's an impossible yeah. measurement of your worth that you're constantly on this will of trying to maintain it. And in the process is when I really completely lost myself, wow. really. And I mean, I almost, I almost lost my life over this. So I'm not even being, yeah. you know, I, I'm not, uh, what's the word exaggerating, just yeah. what a significant low and series of lows this was for me and how I had to fight for tooth and nail to recover from my eating disorders. And in the process though, Tony, like I went to the other side of the perfectionism spectrum. I didn't even know that I was still doing the same thing when I was too terrified to try then. Okay. Because I thought if I tried hard in my life, like if I set goals, if I planned my day I did before, that I'd go right to living like I was before and be miserable and go right to the orders again. And I was trying so hard to stay away from it that I wasn't growing. Okay. And then so five years ago was when I had, you know, I had my third child. And I had everything I'd really wanted in my life. And I felt like I had what I wanted, but I wasn't living it. I felt like the exact way I had felt 14 years ago, almost depressed, anxious, suicidal ideation, lots of shame. Yeah. And it's because I lost myself again, also to perfectionism because of fear of not measuring up. I wasn't trying anymore. Okay. So feeling like that pendulum and swung completely the opposite direction. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I actually went back to therapy, not realizing I needed it. Yeah. And again, came face to face that I was still caught up in perfectionism and that I had to start messing up and being a real person. A big part of perfectionism is detachment. Yeah. Okay. You detach yourself from yourself, like your own intuition you detach yourself from others because you're putting yourself in a place of un, being unknowable. So how and that's how that? I was in both ways. Uh-huh. Well, how did you start to detach that? I mean, you know, when, when one recognizes that you're on the other end of that pendulum, um, yeah. how, do you, how do you then, are you, and you, like you said, I love how you say you were afraid of going all the way back to the mm-hmm. perfectionist side. So you talked earlier about this concept of mediocre. I mean, is that where that started to come in? Absolutely. I mean, um, so I started, I had this list of things that I wanted to start doing again, like things I had thought about forever, writing and baking and starting a blog 10 years too late, you know? And, and, and that was all like, for so long, I'd had all those excuses. Like, it's not going to be good enough. Nobody will like it. I I don't know what I'm doing. Like, is that going to lead up to anything? And I decided to just try them and to just do them without worrying about where they were going to take me or what I could achieve or do from them. And that's how it evolved to one thing to the next to the next. But yeah, it really was just leaning into the mediocre side and being okay with it. And part of that honestly meant, um, I started to write, like I told you, and that's when I started to share more of my struggles and ways that nobody knew. Like when I was struggling with my eating disorders, not even my roommates, Mm. Not even my best friends, not my family, even my husband 
after we got married and we actually didn't, he, he, we tried, he wanted to date for years and I put him at arm's length because I was in the middle of trying to recover from my eating disorder. And, and even then, you know, we got married and, and like a year in, I had, you know, something about like on our family blog. So not even this isn't later, but I mentioned something about dancing, how much I miss it. And one of the sisters somehow picked up on like, maybe I lost my love of dancing because of an eating disorder. And so she asked him and was like, does Monica have an eating disorder? And he said, Oh no. Uh, and when he told me that, I said, what, what do you think? What do you think that was then? And I realized I hadn't told him like, yeah point blank. Like I have really bad eating disorders. I had told him other ways. Like I, that shame was still so inside me, that detachment, that fear of being human. Yeah. That even in my recovery for years, I still didn't want people to know yeah. that I was human and that I was struggling with things. And, and I, I am so great. There's so many thoughts here. One is I want to touch on the, the word that even as a therapist, I feel like can be overused, but I believe it, the vulnerability of how hard that can be. And I'm also curious before we even get to that, especially with that, when you were in the midst of your eating disorder, were and you can just tell me, no, this is, uh, this wasn't your experience. Oh, but sometimes I, was, I find, yeah. okay. Sometimes I find that people worse that I work with that struggle with things like eating disorders. They didn't want to open up to anyone, but they also were almost surprised that people weren't noticing more or that they weren't trying to intervene. Do you know where I'm going with that? Are you asking if people intervened or would have noticed? No, did you, did you, did you want people to, even though you weren't willing to put um, yourself out there, was there a part of you that just thought, man, somebody just, somebody recognize this or somebody help somebody save me in a sense. Yeah. I definitely felt those for sure. Like I wanted, I needed help and I wanted help. I didn't know how to say it yes, point blank yeah. to people, but honestly, Tony, at that point of my life, I had never received more praise than then. Wow. Okay. So people don't, didn't want to see it. Yeah. Even the people closest to me. Okay. You know, they didn't want to see that as a problem. And a lot of it too, Tony, honestly came because in my mind, part of why I didn't point blank tell people about it is because in my head, I had the wrong eating disorder. Oh, I didn't have the good kind. Okay. I had, you know, I had binging and purge exercise. And to me, that was not, that was a more shameful eating disorder than like anorexia, you know? Okay. Um, Like I tried to be anorexic for like 10 years and it didn't work. So then I failed and became like you, yeah, a you failed. Yeah. And then when you said that, yeah. and when you said that people even gave you more praise, I feel like that's the, one of those situations where, you know, bless everyone's heart. When people don't know what yeah. to do, they often feel like I'm going to tell that person, no, 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 you're doing, you're amazing. Thinking that that will be enough to raise them up to you know, raise their baseline up to be able to overcome something, even if they see it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. And you know, it's been one of those things, like I've pondered how to deal with this too. When I recognize people that I'm like, yeah. I wonder if they're caught up in the same things I struggled with. And I, you know, I hear friends or family members worrying about it or talking about it and nobody saying anything. Yeah. And it's scary to, to do. And I've had to do that. I've had to say, are, you know, can we talk about this? And are you struggling with this? Um, but the sad thing is, is, you know, and you know this well, that people who are really in trench with eating disorders um, will deny it. Yeah. They need to come to a place where they are ready for help. And at that point I was, because I knew it was, knew my life was, was in jeopardy, both literally and figuratively. I knew that it was, it took, had taken over everything. Yeah. I, I didn't want to live that way. 
Well, and I, and I can see us now going, we could go hours uh, because now I feel like, man, I would I know. Love, one of these days we do another one where I want to explore that. I know as a therapist that people aren't going to necessarily get the help until they really feel like they need the help. And even then, what I think a lot of times I see in my office are people that want to just come and then hope that just by coming to a therapist or talking about it, that then everything will just magically go away because there's that experiential avoidance or not really wanting to have to do the things that they think that they have to do. Yes. And right. I mean, and so I don't know if that was a part of your process as well of, was it a, was it a lengthy process to start to really make change? It was a lengthy process, but not because of lack of trying. I honestly, actually, I think I'm one of those people that I do. I am willing to do whatever it takes okay. to work on things in general. That's just my personality. Yeah. Um, but what was interfering with my recovery was that I wanted it to be, because I was working hard on it, I wanted it to be fixed overnight. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And so honestly, the best, one of the best moments that happened in my therapy then was a therapist telling me that I was going to struggle with this the rest of my life. Okay. And that took a big burden off my shoulders because it made me think it's not up to me to fix this overnight. And I will have to put in work for years. And I honestly can say like, I actually don't think I struggle with that yeah. anywhere near to the extent that I did before. It's something I'm aware of Yes, and I make sure that I'm being careful with, but every single year that passes, it's less and less and less in, in my head and, and less yeah. something that takes hold of me. But even just having that permission though, to know that I couldn't do my perfectionist thing with this and fix it with yeah. pure grit. That yeah. was really a relief to me. I'm glad you shared it that way. And I try to, to, whether I'm working with addiction or whether I'm working with any, any of these sort of things, I like to say that um, what you just said, but I, it, where it's going to feel less and less. I mean, that. It will. You know, I think when people say, I know I'm going to struggle with this the rest of my life, part of me does want to say, yeah, but it's going to look so much different. But I know sometimes people need to hear in that moment that you bet, okay, let's just embrace that. But it really does because, right, those skills become so good. I always just say, uh, you, you can, yeah, you'll note that thought, you know, and that's one that used yes. to have a lot, right? I, I love noting things. I still, you know, I, all the time I still have these thoughts of uh, um, imposter syndrome or mm-hmm. you know, big what ifs or what if no, all of a sudden people stop listening to a podcast or coming to therapy. And, and, mm-hmm. and instead of it being this like fear, there's a little bit of like, oh, okay, there's that thought. We'll kind of noted. Gotcha. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah, it has yeah. less hold on you. And I yeah. will say it did take me, it did take me several like for several years, I didn't think I was improving. Like yeah. a lot of a lot of how I was behaving was, but the internal struggles were just like an alcoholic who's trying to not avoid the drink, you know? Yeah. But now it's now it's far different. Like it's still, it's things I note, but it's not as, it doesn't take as much effort and work and worry on a minute to minute basis like it did years ago. Now it's, it just comes up every, every now and then. Yeah. Okay. Let me jump back to the word vulnerability. I, I, oh, sure. you know, raw, authentic and vulnerable. I have a, a wonderful client who we combined them once and it's vulnerable, authentic, you know, all three of them. But I feel like that's such a, you know, those are vulnerable, authentic. Yeah. And they're kind of cliched therapists and, and words, but I love them because so it sounds like that being vulnerable part played a pretty big role for you. Oh yeah. Huge. Okay. Um, so- that, what was that like? And what was the process? Yeah. So when we started, when I started to lean into that mediocre Monica side of me Uh five years ago, that didn't tell me actually opening up a lot about the struggles I was facing. So, but I didn't choose the best 
uh, medium, I think that's when I like started a website and I was like, Hey world, I struggled with eating disorders. Hey world, I have big faith crises. Hey world. I like, I just was like, like letting it all out. And, you know, I don't, I, I say that wasn't the best medium to maybe jump out, you know, jump into it with just because, um, it almost was a strange way of me being vulnerable without being really vulnerable because I didn't have like sit conversations with yeah. my parents or my siblings, like, um, or my spouse even. So it was almost my way of telling people that I love the most without really giving them that space. Yeah. And so I've learned that more in time. I mean, and, you know, God bless them all. They were really patient with me, but I think it was more alarming, even though for them it was more alarming but for me, it was such a release and it empowered me and showed me, I mean, they talk about the power of vulnerability all the time. And I know right. that's another thing people roll their eyes about, but it right. truly did empower me and it connected me. So like we talked about perfectionism as a big disconnect. Yeah. When I started talking and showing that I'm human and I am struggling. I do not have it all together, but not in like a, so follow me on Instagram way, but like a real genuine, like, you know, face way, even with my friends, it, it connected me and with people and it connected me with my spouse and my family and myself in ways that have healed me so much. They yeah. really have healed me. Well, I wanna, and so here's where I'll slide my acceptance and commitment therapy principle. And as I appreciate you saying, you know, man, maybe it was this, uh, unique or, or maybe not the best way, but boy, I have people in here that I just, I will try to identify uh, literally like say, start a blog and, and don't even share anything it does with help. or, or yeah. record a podcast and who maybe you'll never share it. Or is there, are there friends you can open up with? And some people want to do it with people that are far away. Some people want to do it through text. Some people want to, you know, some people are like, no, I need to meet face to face with somebody. And that's that stuff I love about everybody's own unique private experiences that they bring to the table at that moment. Um, man, just figure out what does work. But that's where, because all of those, yeah, but I'm afraid of those stories the brain kind yeah. of generates are what keeps us away from even trying. And so I, you know, I love that you're, you eventually said, okay, this is how I need to do it. So yeah, I guess you're right. Like in the end, it was how I needed to jump into the deep end a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it actually gave people a chance to connect with me because I still have people and my family who do not want to talk about any of right. this stuff. Okay. And, yeah. but they at least they've had the opportunity yeah. and I at least know that, you know, I can say some things at the dinner table that maybe I wouldn't have in the past, Yeah, you know, and, and that's okay. And like, and not in like a bold, like I'm right. going to, you know, yeah. be, be that person now, but more just like, no, it doesn't need to always be that way. Yeah. Cause I, cause I love him. And, and thanks for validating that too. Uh, because I will have people often say, I know I should want to just, or I know I should just uh, say something about it. Or someone will say, I know I shouldn't want to just text about it. Or I know I, and again, I want to go with the, Hey, uh, you're, there's no conditions on this thing. You, there is no, you should or shouldn't or the way you do it. Let's just talk about what, what's a, what's a workable or productive thought for, for kind of our goal of, of getting that vulnerability out there. And then let's look at kind of what's definitely. in the way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. So do you want to talk about we, a couple of directions that I love too? Um, I want to, I want to address maybe the all or nothing uh, thinking, but also I love how you, you, we traded some emails beforehand too. And yeah. I really like the concept of, you know, sustainable growth off of small wins. I think that people mm-hmm. just want, we all want that home run. I mean, I will say when people come into my office, especially for anything, addiction, these sort of things, sometimes I say, Hey, so are you expecting me to have like a magic wand or maybe this like amazing you mm-hmm. know, pill that will all of a sudden change all of these things and make it easy. And, and usually it's a little bit of, well, yeah, maybe I am. So it is about yes. sustainable growth. Right. So I don't, you want to talk about that first? 
Absolutely. Cause this is something I've really grown passionate about because, um, when you talk about perfectionism, it's easy for people to discount themselves from that. Cause they're like, Oh, I'm not this, I'm not that. But I think everybody falls for all or nothing thinking. Yeah. And basically at the root of that is falling for this lie that overnight success is possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's lasting. Yeah. Cause that's the thing we often forget too, is that um, one of my favorite quotes, and that's one of the few I have memorized because that's not how my brain usually works. Right there with you. But it's, yeah, it's, it's Winston Churchill. And he says, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. So with that, success is, even isn't final. So we have this thinking in our, in our head, I think with our, in our cultures and our family structures, where we are trained to believe that in order to succeed, it needs to be done through extreme action. Mm. And we need to see the results right away. Yeah. And that is not true. Right. It's just, it's, it's scientifically not true. And, and it doesn't last. Even if, it, if you put in those huge monumental efforts, yeah. I mean, not even nine times out of 10, I would say way higher, 9.8 times out of 10, are you going to go right to burnout uh-huh. or overwhelm or even worse back to, you know, bouncing back to the bad habits or cycles, it has to be done small. And you have to believe in the process. The process is not overnight and it's not huge actions. It's small, meaningful steps um, gradually built upon each other. And over time, and this is, this. nobody wants to sign up for this, right? Like nobody no, wants to sign up for that. This, no. <laughs> They're like, Hey, in 10 years, you'll be changed. Like, exactly. no, People want it in two days, you know, but the, but really, if you want lasting change, then you need to believe that this is the process. It's, it's, um, James Clear talks about this in Atomic Habits, how like you have that valley of disappointment, mm. you know, when you're on that growth scale and you just don't believe you're changing. Yeah. You're, you're disappointed because you don't see the fruits to all your yet. But if you just keep going and push through that, you're going to break through that plateau and you are going to grow in exponential ways. And that's the process. It's, it's getting into the muck of those small steps and wondering if it's working, feeling overwhelmed, sometimes stressed, making mistakes, trying again, trying again, trying again. And then all of a sudden you look back and you realize, oh, I actually have grown and I have evolved and I have changed. Like, I guess it is working. Yeah. That's the process. I, I, and I, uh, for people that aren't runners, I feel bad anytime I go into talking about running, but I think I really, I, know, I talk about this all the time too, but it's right? the best. Yeah. Comparison. It is, it's like that every day waking up and, and doing the, getting the miles in. And, and some people like to call them junk miles or some people say, you know, they don't, I wasn't as, I wasn't feeling it today or all those things. But then over the course of just months and, and years, and you just get those base miles in and you start noticing that, okay, you go run the half or the full marathon and it's a little easier than you thought it was. And you want to just a, a sustain growth, you know, and, and when I started bumping into these longer distances, I, even to myself, I would think, Hey, who, who can run 50, mi- 50 miles, hundred miles, whatever. And it was like, yeah. well, you just kind of do it a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there. Little and, bit. Yeah. And we talked about this when you were on my podcast of 2019 about how I've been myself to swim yeah, as yeah. a non. Yeah. And, and like, literally terrified, not even figuratively, literally terrified of swimming and could not swim because I've had air problems my whole life. I wasn't allowed to put my head in the water. Mm -hmm. So I only learned to like doggy paddle 
And now I don't have, like, I don't have to wear the earplugs when I'm in the shower, like I used to, you know, so now I can swim, but I so terrified of water, but this is, this is my, I'm not going to draw this out, but basically the only way I learned to swim, you know, three years ago, I started swimming 20 minutes a week. Okay. Just 20 minutes a week. And you would think that would do nothing. Cause in the beginning, I mean, it was probably like six months of me standing up a quarter through a lap. Okay. Not even making it halfway, standing up and choking my guts out while all the old swim people swim past me, like yeah. circles around me. And now, you know, three years later, I can swim a half hour straight, no stopping. Yeah. The only way that happened is because I believed in the process that if yeah. I consistently tried imperfectly, that I was going to get somewhere. And that to me, and I still don't enjoy swimming, but doing that has been like such an, an affirmation to me that this is, this process does work. I like that you uh, called out imperfectly too. I can't lie to, I remember having this aha moment where I thought that if I really had put as much, I think I always, okay, I've never, I don't think I've confessed this one before, but I think I always thought that, man, if I had only been a one, six, two or six, three, and I, sure. then I would put in all the effort and I would be this pro basketball player. I think I'd always thought that, but then I realized, yeah. oh wait, um, but am I putting that effort into anything in my life? You know, that's one of those where, mm-hmm. well, if I would have been, you know, then I would have, uh, then I would have been this other thing. And I remember thinking, okay, that was a big epiphany or an aha moment. And then I realized though, okay, well now I can put this effort into ultra running. So I, I start putting effort yeah. into ultra running and I realized, oh, I'm still kind of a mid packer. And then I thought that that was, that's okay. Uh, you know, and then I realized, okay, I, my goal is just to be me and to be present. And why do I enjoy these things? And what are my values? And Definitely. same thing with like the podcast, right? A podcast, when you put something out every week and and there are people that have, have probably put in less effort that are far more popular or people that have put in more effort that aren't, or all I can do is do the things that I think are important to me. So, and definitely, you know, right. When you say mediocre, do people give you any pushback to that, that word? Oh yeah. I think people, <laughs> and that's actually why I almost, you know, branded everything mediocre Monica. And I did it <clears throat> not aspirational. It's not what people really want. Really yeah. what they want is a radical growth, but, but, but that is what I'm promising, but not in the ways that they're you know, being uh, primed to believe in, I think that overnight yeah. stuff, but yeah, people don't want to, people don't really want to lean into that. But when really, when you do, I mean, where you get is way better than where you currently are. Like it will surpass where you think. And and I will say, uh, Tony, like I, I fall for the, this lie all the time still. Like I still get really disappointed Yeah, that I started a podcast around the same time as so-and-so and wow, how, how are they so much bigger in yeah. so many ways? And, you know, you know, I get caught up in that too. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be around us all the time. And yeah. it's just, I think it takes um, one of the clients in my co- coaching program, and I just coach people on like personal development. So mm-hmm. not like these, like, you know, like I'm not a therapist. What you do is incredible. Um, but even then, like we were talking about this process and one of my clients said, it takes the greatest of courage to do the smallest of things. Mm. And I'm like, yes, that is it. Yeah. I, even that's, we were, this, that's the process. When I was setting up for our podcast, I did just, I mean, what, 45 minutes ago, I was doing the whole thing about, man, I've been doing this a while. I'm approaching 200 episodes. There are people that have far more. I was doing the same thing like 45 yeah. minutes ago, right? And then I noted it. And then, all right, uh, thank you, brain. Yeah. And uh, let's go do this podcast with Keep Monica. Keep going. Right? So can I ask you, do you, and it's funny too, your partner, Rachel, who does such an amazing job of here's these takeaways. And I always tell her, that's my, I am horrific at that. You know, it's like at the end, it's like, Hey, that was a great interview. <laughs> and then, but what are we supposed to do? So do you, do you kind of have ideas of what you tell people that are especially going to be hearing this of 
what do you do? Where do you even start? If it's the, okay, I'll buy into the, I don't have to have this overnight success. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have Mm -hmm. this all or nothing thinking. Where do we start? I know this is like a chicken and the egg thing, right? (laughs) Because I think I didn't realize I was, you know, creating a process and, and leaning into this. I didn't realize that I was basically doing a giant years long experiment and that's what I've been doing. But if I were to distill it down to like where to start, I would say, and this one seems, this one seems kind of meta, like a little bit, like, is that really going to help? But honestly, I think the number one thing people need to get real about is who they want to become. Yeah. Okay. Who do you want to become? What type of person? I'm not talking about achievements. I'm talking about values. Like you, I mean, that one interview I had with you, Tony, yeah, that, that is something. And, and like I told you, my, my brain, like things go in and out, in and out. And with you, I'm like, I remember everything you've taught me. So no, I thought about this one. I want your, I want my people to find my people. Does that sound so good? I want, I want no. my audience to find you. I wear it. We got to talk about that too. Like, how do we still get access to that? Cause I love that interview as well. Well, how about, um, I'll send you the link and you can put it in their show notes, okay, cool. but it's how to All stop right. hating yourself by Tony okay. Overbay. Okay. And I'm going to send them the second oh, the, version okay. of that. I was going to say, newer I, know, version. I, have, I still use yours. That one, I thought you were talking about in the program, me being very vulnerable. That oh, one that we did. Because no, no. I felt like Yes, you we did. did talk about that. Okay. Because that, how to stop hating yourself. I can't lie. I still, that one's, I, don't, I think I might've shared this with you a while ago. That one's on one of the ones I send to people as well. Because I. And which you, made me laugh because <laughs> I did such a weird editing job. Will you please send them the new one? I this will. is This is okay. us showing though. Like it's a process. Like Tony was yeah. experimented on when I tried a new way of editing and adding in music and the second version is way better of that. But, um, but again, at the heart of this is you need to know what matters to you and who you want to become. Because for me, a large part of how I've been able to lean into this is because I realized who I wanted to be was someone who was a lot bolder than mm-hmm. I was currently being someone who is more ambitious and creative and wholehearted and real. And those are all came back to some big values that I was missing. So I had to get real about who I wanted to be. And then with that, all, you know, tons of research shows, and I love self-development. I love reading all the books, but over and over they show that feelings along with acceptance and therapy, feelings follow action. Yeah. So you have to start acting the part of a person who would be acting bold. So it's not so much, and this is where people get confused and I get it because I can't give people an A to Z step process, but it's, it's, it's getting to, to the heart of acting the part that you want to play. And it's not so much about what you, it's who you're becoming. Yeah. And, and that's where you have to get messy. Yeah. Cause the value and you start it, acting the part. Yeah. You, you realize all of those, uh, I always say that's the shoulds, the, the growing up feeling like, well, I should think this, or I should care about this, or I should feel this. And anytime we're going, we're trying to do something based on a should or how I'm supposed to feel, uh, they, they talk about how that, you know, those become these socially compliant goals. I mean, so it's the, the, hmm. you know, the motivation is weak and ineffective because it's going against your sense of who you want to be or your sense of yeah. self. And I feel like that's, that's the messy work because it's like, I know I'm supposed to care more about whatever. And so then somebody then feels bad if they don't care as much about whatever, but they're the only version of them. So the reason that they might not care about whatever that is, is because they're human. And so I love that. That is messy. And there's a lot. And that's what's freeing about it too. Like uh, we're talking about purpose this month on my podcast. Um, So right now we're recording in April. So if people are, I don't know when this will air, but the reason we're talking about that is because a lot of us fall for this lie that we're like, 
Bilbo Baggins or Frodo Baggins or even Harry Potter. Like we have one definable purpose that is just going to land on us. And it's the same with this too. It's not so much about what you do. It's who you are. It's who you're becoming. So that is really, you're not waiting for something to be handed to you or like, this is the path. This is the one ring. This is the one wand. Like, no, you just start living and become on many. It's like, I might not be a podcaster the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Hey, but, but my, but who I am, am I, am I frozen on you? It said, no, you froze for a second, but you came back. You might not be a podcaster your life. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But who, who I'm becoming, it, it, it can still grow and be, um, um, nourished no matter what I'm actually doing. Like I have freedom to take different paths and pivot, but I'm still living the, like the person I want to be. Yeah. I always do that one. That's the, we want A to Z and I say, well, let's just figure out what B is. And then B can go to C and C to D. And I mean, before I went back to school to become a therapist after my uh, software career kind of halted, um, I yeah. had a whole different direction I was trying to go, you know, and, and it didn't really, really go. Yeah. It's like sad to even think about that now. Cause I just feel so much passion for what I do, but, but I, you know, I got to, yeah. uh, I got to A and then I really thought I knew what Z looked like and it was not, and I tried and it wasn't there and thank goodness B led to C and D and all those sort of things. So just that, that progress. Um, it, no, that's it exactly does take it. courage. And you know what? And one thing I've been, um, you know, I have been trying to distill down more like what is the process? Like, what does it look okay. like? And I think it's equal parts patience and persistence. Okay. And with that, you have this lens of curiosity. What if I try this? Will that take me? What if I up it up in this? Um, and that to me is the process. Okay. So I, I got us recording again and uh, we just figured out basically the secret of life, but realized that it was not recording. So that was the frustrating part. <gasps> yeah, we did. So yeah. I guess and we'll I never know. I don't think we can go back to that and whatever it was in that moment that felt very in that moment. So, you know, everybody missed out, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, and maybe that's a sign because I get accused of going too long in my podcast at times. So maybe that is the oh, okay, universe yeah. saying you know, uh, keep it nice and tight. So, all right, Monica, kind of maybe we wrap up with, uh, with, you know, you talked about practical ways of moving toward the sustainable growth and we've identified that it's, you know, we've got kind of digging into somebody's values or really the person they want to be. And you've got the concept of, um, I really like that letting go of the perfectionist, uh, is, is a little bit more about being accepting or, or, you know, managing the mediocre. And, and, and I think we talked about, I think we maybe hit early on, but the perfection, the idea of perfection is, uh, it's impossible, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, yes, and I, it's flawed. And I, it is. It's such a flawed. And then, you know, and, and I think if we, I listened to your podcast, you did on perfectionism on yours with uh, Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, which was amazing. And, and yeah, if somebody wants she was to amazing. Go, she was. And, and if you, if somebody is hearing this and they want to learn more about just perfectionism in general, I'd say go back to that episode and I'll put that in my show notes. Me too. She, you know, she just nailed it from a, you know, one up and one down position. And I loved how she talked a lot about, you know, perfectionism really does come from uh, somebody feeling like that's how they, they will be valued or that's how they'll be seen or that's what is important. And that fear of just, if somebody sees that they aren't, don't have everything together, that then for some reason they will be less than that the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That woman's changed my life in many ways. So yeah, I loved hearing that because I've had her on my show a couple of times talking about what she's very much known for as her, as a sex therapist. And man, she, yeah. she knows everything. She knows everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
She well, does. she's like you. You guys are like, you know, Jack and Jane's of all trades. So that's very kind. That is. So, so I don't know. Where would you, what are some things maybe we didn't cover that, that you would love to speak to as we kind of wrap things up before the Zoom gods hit us again? Yeah. Um, you know, I think if we were to just send people off, what I would say is, this is going to come across really terrible at first, but I hope people stick with me. Like you are not special, meaning you are not unusually broken. I think a lot of people just are convinced that they are special because they are so unusually broken that they can't do what they want to. They can't change in the ways that they've tried and they haven't been able to do it. You're not special in that way. Everyone is broken, but also with that, I think you need to have that greatest courage we talked about. Yeah, You need to take on the greatest of courage to do the smallest of things. Um, I was just listening to something this morning by James Wedmore. He's like a marketing online guy. So I didn't have to do with about self-development, but it really hit me in what he said about taking on radical responsibility. Okay. That's what we need to do as individuals. Like take on radical responsibility that... This is what it looks like. It looks hard and messy and not easy and not an A to Z process, not overnight. But take on that radical responsibility because, because you believe that you are worth the effort and because you believe that there is more for you out there. And that is where I would all, if it is possible. Like you are special in that way. Like you yeah. do have so much potential. And when you believe that and you take on that radical responsibility to work towards it in meaningful, but mediocre and imperfect and messy ways, you will surprise yourself while yeah. how much you, you will, you have grown. Okay. And I, and, and people, I know they stuck through that. I love what you said. I did a presentation. I so. No, I did. I did a presentation long ago where I said, one of the slides was, you're not all that in a bag of chips. That was this phrase back <laughs> in the nineties or whatever. And I was ready. Yeah. I really, I thought it was going to be hilarious and funny. And I just watched the faces in the room just go flat. And I was oh. saying, I was like, and I was, it was this, I was like, no, 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 no. You know, when you're, when you, somebody doesn't look at you when you're driving out of your court, it's not because they hate you. They might be yeah. busy or they, you know, so yep. just you embrace you and, and go after your values. And so I hear you. I love that. And I think one of the things that I hope that people have heard that we're talking about today is it, yeah, there's going to be a lot of feelings around even some of the, if it's uh trying to do things that aren't as easy uh, or trying to do things. And, and then if that turns out to not be something that you enjoy or is right for you, then you actually get to do something different and that becomes this process pivot. and you pivot. Exactly. So I love that. There's a, there's an, so I don't remember many quotes either. I think that's uh, love that you said that earlier. Um, there's a, a author named um, Terrence McKenna and he talked about jumping into the abyss and finding out on the other end that it's a feather bed. And I, and I love that because I was I, at that time I was trying to tell couples that we're having a hard time being emotionally vulnerable with each other, that, you know, it may feel at times like you're going through this fire, but then when you get through this ring of fire, there's your partner just wanting to give you this huge hug, you know, wow. when they're, they're, when they're putting out this, uh, I, you know, anger and feelings of betrayal or, or the, all these things that, and the guy gets, you know, defensive and then starts the gaslight or whatever that looks like. It's like, man, just have empathy and compassion, you know, get through that fire, jump into that abyss. And on the other side, there's this feather bed. And I think that's the true case with what you've been talking about today is that, boy, trust that you are, this is going to feel better overall. Your baseline is going to raise. It will, but it, it will. Like, it's going to have some ups and downs along the way. And that's part of being human. Right. Amen. Amen, hey. brother. All to that. Oh, Monica, thanks so much. I was so looking forward to this. We got plenty more we got to talk about, though, in future episodes, if that's okay. 
Oh, I love it. Okay, Anytime. All right. I'm, all right. I'm going to put links galore in the uh, show notes. I'm going to hit the pause here, but please hang on. Cause I want to just tell you how much I appreciate you. And uh, but thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind. It's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost. I'm floating past the midnight Aside the things that matter most It's wonderful I have to wonder Which ghost is mine He eats my ponder And somehow takes up all my time Those green fireflies They take all my fancies I'm too bummed Yours to take all